Hi, everybody. This is the first edition of the Beaver Tales podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Josh Warden. I've been covering Oregon State Athletics since 2013, and this podcast follows former Beaver athletes, regardless of the sport, of what they're doing now with their lives, their memories of their time at OSU, and what they've learned, life lessons, and more. We also like to focus on what made their career unique. What was something peculiar about these athletes on or off the playing field and how that peculiarity has shaped their life since then. For example, today's podcast guest is Damian Haskins. Now, there are multiple interesting things about him and had a great conversation with Damian just a moment ago. One of the peculiarities about Damian is the weightlifting that he was able to do at Oregon State, bench pressing over 400 pounds, and I got to ask him about how that's affected his life since then. Does he still weight lift? Did that increase his desire to stay in shape afterwards? He now works in the healthcare industry. And we also talked about that as well and his memories from Oregon State. So we'll get into that in just a moment. I'd also like to mention this podcast is not just meant to get sponsorships and earn money for myself. But instead of doing that, I want to use this platform to give some credit and advertising and free exposure to local businesses and charities and nonprofits who are doing good work at this time. So I'd like to acknowledge the work of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is a charity based in California that does work all over the world, helping those in need gain independence from poverty, hunger, and disease. They're a nonprofit organization. And also at this time, they're launching a campaign called 10 Million Meals, in response to COVID-19, you can find their website at convoyofhope.org or just Google it. You'll find them and they're helping people with food insecurity. So we want to give some exposure to Convoy of Hope as we also help you remember the Oregon State athletes you used to watch and learn life lessons through their eyes. What are these athletes learning after their playing days are over and what is the transition been like. Interesting conversation with Damian Haskins today. He was an Oregon State running back from 2013 to 2015 from the Mike Riley to the Gary Anderson era. And he has moved on to work down in Eugene for Avamir and a, he's a licensed nursing home administrator. Interesting uh, area he's working in now. And so let's get right to it. Damian Haskins, former Beaver football player here on the Beaver Tales podcast. We're now joined by Damian Haskins from Eugene. Damian, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining the podcast. Everything's going good, uh, despite the current events. It is indeed a crazy time, and we'll get into later in this conversation how your industry has been impacted and your job in particular working in the nursing care facility down in Eugene. Let's start with your playing career just to familiarize people with your background, where you're coming from, or re-familiarize. You come out of New Boston, Texas as a three-star running back, come to Oregon State, and you were at OSU for three years, redshirt in 2013, and then 2014 and 2015. Kind of an interesting era of OSU football. 2013, to this day, is the last time Oregon State's made a bowl game. You've got 2014, which you didn't know it at the time, but that was the last year of the Mike Riley tenure, and then Gary Anderson's first year in Corvallis was your last year as a player at OSU. What was it like to play at Oregon State in those crazy days? It's quite interesting. Um, again, I was originally recruited by Mike Riley in 2013. Uh, phenomenal guy. Uh, I would say he's uh, just as good as a, a person, as a coach. And um, most of the times you don't find that in, in too many people uh, in, in, in that field. Um, 
playing under um, Mike Coach Anderson was was also uh, a tremendous experience. Um, two totally different coaching styles, but definitely learned a lot from both. One of the fun notes about your playing career is your first carry in a Beaver uniform. You redshirted 2013, so your first game action was in 2014. It was the Stanford game when you got your first career rushing attempt, and you were on the one-yard line, one yard away from the end zone. You get your first carry, and you bust it through for the touchdowns. Your career numbers at that point were one attempt, one touchdown, one yard. Pretty good numbers right there. What do you remember of that day against Stanford in 2014? Yeah, yes. Um, that, that was a pretty interesting year. Uh, just, uh, just to kind of uh, – I can – I remember that they, I mean, we, Stanford was a good team at that time. And uh, we were actually down, I believe, maybe two, two touchdowns, two or three touchdowns. And uh, they allowed the younger guys to kind of go out there and, you know, we, we scored. So um, having your first career <laughs> rush and a score was, was pretty amazing. So um, it definitely kind of, kind of, you know, gave me that, uh, that confidence and, and, and the momentum I needed to, to, to know that I was, uh, good enough to be in the collegiate collegiate football. I can't help but notice that two of the Stanford running backs that day, one of their featured guys, Barry Sanders, the son of the legend, and another guy in that Stanford roster who wasn't well-known at that point in 2015, Christian McCaffrey. Now, both of those guys combined for zero touchdowns in that game in 2014 against Oregon State. So in that game, you outscored Christian McCaffrey and Barry Sanders. Yeah, every, again, everyone has their moments, their times, and like anything else, uh, you have to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you. But those are two phenomenal players. I couldn't help but notice, the kind of, it seemed like a high opinion you have of Gary Anderson. You spoke of him positively, even though things didn't work out for him in Corvallis. Things went downhill after you left in 2016 for Coach Anderson. But is it true, generally, when you think of Coach Anderson, you, you still have positive feelings? I would say so. Um, I mean, he was a pretty hard-nosed coach, but um, I think at the time the team needed that um, that toughness um, uh, brought to, to to you know to to our team. Um, you know, um, I mean, as you know, 2014 was was not a great year um, for anyone, and it was a shock to myself and my fellow teammates at that time that Mike Riley was, was uh, stepping down and moving on to Nebraska. And then we hear about this guy from Wisconsin who's supposed to be this phenomenal coach. And um, he pushed us and um, you know, and, and you, you never know how good or how good you potentially could be without being pushed. So he definitely pushed the team, uh, not only uh, physically, but mentally, uh, academically. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but we had some pretty, uh, we we excelled in the academics uh, as well as as through athletics uh, with some of the fellas there. So um, I have nothing but uh, positive things to say about the coaching staff, uh, Telly Lockett, some of the strength conditioning coaches. Uh, they definitely definitely uh, had high expectations for us, and uh, I, I believe it made me a better not only a better person but a better uh, a better player at the end of the day. So. Speaking of the strength and conditioning staff, I think our next interview on this podcast is going to be a guy who was in the strength and conditioning staff in uh, Shane Wallen. Oh, uh, yeah, I know Shane. <laughs> that will be a fun conversation. Now, you brought up the academics, and to give due credit to Gary Anderson, he put a high priority on making sure players were 
making a big deal of their opportunity to study at Oregon State University. Now, you were a guy who came in with big academic intentions, it seems. You had a 4.0 GPA in high school from New Boston High. You were in the National Honor Society. When you came to OSU and you're majoring in public health, where were you at at that point? Were you really passionate? Did you already have an idea for your career? Were you still feeling things out at that age? Where were you at academically? Yes. Uh, as, as everyone knows, you can't play football forever. So I did have a, a plan to be a hospital administrator at that time. Now, I'm not right now, but uh, I kind of, you know, went a different path. But at that time, uh, I wanted to be a hospital administrator. Um, I've been, you know, I had that I had that plan in my head uh, before I even uh, attended college that that was my goal. I was chatting with Jason Thomas recently, JT, who's worked in and around the Beaver football program since you were there. And he mentioned, you know, Damian Haskins, he's a guy who always knew football ends at some point. And we all know that logically. You can't play football forever, but a lot of people do play football as though it will last forever without really much of a plan for what happens afterwards, huh? Yeah, if you look at how many uh, high school uh, football players there are and then uh, Collegiate D1, and then so on, so on forth. I mean, I mean, you got those top one, two percenters are, that are going to the NFL. And at that point, you're still not guaranteed, uh, a, a, you know, a long, successful career. So um, it, it's a gamble. And, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to, to have a successful career in the NFL, um, that, you know, that does with some pretty high regards. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think every collegiate athlete knows that at some point they're going to have to hang their cliques up. There's two main things I want to touch on in this conversation. One is your career, what you're doing now in the nursing care industry, and also a peculiar part of your career while at OSU athletically was your weightlifting. I remember having a conversation with you while you were still playing at OSU, and you said you could bench press in the area of 415 pounds. You had a teammate, Tyler Anderson, who estimated you could bench press 450 that's absurd. Now, I know you probably didn't max a whole lot doing just one rep of the highest mount, especially not during the season. After all, it's not really that helpful to bench press for a running back. So this may be hard to answer, but set the record straight. What is the most that you, Damian Haskins, have ever bench pressed? You know what? Now that I'm thinking, I was like, I don't know how much I've actually maxed. <laughs> I think it was around between 400 and 415. Um, we rarely similarly uh, maxed out because of the potential of, of injuries. But when we did, it was a, it was a pretty exciting moment to see the entire team kind of, you know, uh, uh, meet their PR goals. And, and it was just a great atmosphere for the team. So uh, when those, those days came after the end of training and we were all maxing out to see the results, it was a pretty exciting uh, time for us. What may be even more impressive is a high number of reps at a still relatively high amount of weight. Like when Steven Paya did 49 reps, set the NFL combine record at uh, 225 pounds. That's more impressive than doing one rep of, you know, 350 even. Do you have a, another time you remember? Maybe it wasn't one rep of max, but a high number of reps at the bench press perhaps? Yeah, so I I can't recall because um, we really suddenly kind of did like a mock draft kind of day um i know you know when i did it was like 20 ish i can't remember off the top of my head um at 225 but um it was definitely impressive to know that there were some guys ahead of us who had set records in, in the nfl combine i think brandon cooks for his weight and class 
uh, in the NFL combine, he did pretty well uh, too. So uh, definitely had a, a good uh, weight regimen between the two uh, years that I was there. Not only did you bench press around 400 pounds plus, you were also clocked at a 4.4 second 40 yard dash. So you were not just a bumbling, muscled, slow running back. Yeah, um, I did laser time at a 4.3, but that was back uh, with Coach Riley and, and different um, strength conditioning uh, techniques. So uh, it, it was definitely a little bit uh, more um, unique in, in how we trained. Uh, versus with with Coach Anderson, so uh, it was nice to kind of you know get your laser time and and everyone uh, see again those results um, from off season uh, to get bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, it, it was an exciting time. So just that um, knowing that you're steadily growing inch by inch every day, uh, something I, I enjoyed uh, as a as a collegiate athlete. I'm sure the strength and conditioning staff were not highlighting bench press as the most important lift for running backs to do what other lifts were there that the staff were prioritizing for your position group? Yes. So when I, so coach Telly Lockett was my running backs coach uh, during the Anderson area. And I I actually uh, had to lose weight and I was like in shock because I was like, how do you lose weight? You know? Um, But yeah, I lost about 15 to 20 pounds and uh, going into that, I believe the spring of 2015, um, I, I had pretty, I'm pretty much leaned out and, and I definitely, uh, saw, uh, improvement in my, uh, agility as a running back. So, uh, though that was one of my, uh, I would say most challenging, uh, thing, you know, challenges for me as a collegiate athlete was actually trying to lose weight and keep, keep my, uh, strength up and, 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 and energy up. And, and, you know, I was able to do that and I really appreciate the, you know, the, we had nutritionist Stacy was was on us, and you know we had meal cards. It got down to the meal cards, and I just know uh, during the Anderson area again, it was everything was about getting better. So everyone was on a meal plan from a lineman to a running back, and uh, it, it was it was pretty serious stuff. And uh, again, it starts from the top on anything, um, and, and it falls follows for everyone. So I really appreciate it. Um, just the little things. Part of the idea behind this podcast is to highlight areas that athletes were particularly skilled at or something that made them unique, and then to see what effects that had on their lives afterwards. So for one of the unique areas of your career being your weightlifting, of lifting way more than most running backs, of being particularly muscled and quick, what effect has that had on you after retiring from football? Do you still lift weights a lot? Is that still a big area of your life? Do you care more about nutrition and health? Have you gone away from that and not lifted weight so much because you put too much emphasis on it in college? You kind of share a little bit about how that peculiar area of your playing days has transitioned to your life and has it been as big in your life today? Uh, I would say yes and no. So, um, you know, after I medically retired, I was still kind of in my, you know, prime and, you know, I had a schedule of weightlifting. But now I'm in a pretty uh, time-consuming career, and I'm, you know, I love the gym, especially right now with, with the pandemic that's going on. But I definitely uh, am not in the gym uh, like I used to be, and that's one of my most, you know, um, memorable things to do during the day: stress relief, um, you know, working out with friends, and 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 hitting those personal goals. I I really enjoyed that. Um, 
just a special moment at 6 a.m. Uh, in the in the weight room with your friends working out uh, before practice. I mean, there's nothing like that. So uh, the real world is, is very different. <laughs> yeah. Football is an odd sport in that you can't really play it when you're 40 or 50 years old, unlike swimming or tennis or even basketball. So you picked a sport where you're not able to stay in shape doing the thing you are passionate about in college, huh? Yeah. So uh, obviously I'm still uh, working out, staying in shape. Um, Again, it's, you know, mind, body, soul. Uh, That's kind of my perspective moving forward now as I've gotten older and matured. Um, you definitely have to take care of yourself, um, both mentally and physically. And that's something that I learned also in college, especially, you you know, most people don't realize you're a collegiate uh, athlete, student athlete, and keyword student athlete. So um, it's more to just being uh, on the football field practicing. You're still a student day in and day out and um, learning how to uh, separate both and accommodate those to and, and being successful because I always thought you can't give a hundred percent to both. And so, um, you know, to do one, you have to give up the other. And just to having that balance was something that I, I really worked on and, and tried to, uh, and tried to master. For as high of an emphasis as you place on physical well-being and health, it's perhaps unfortunate or even ironic that the thing that cut your career short was your physical well-being itself. You had to medically retire in July of 2016. I don't believe it's ever been published why that was. So what caused you to have to cut your career short? Yeah, that was the, uh, I would say that one of the toughest moments, I would say of my life at that time was, um, getting an x-ray back stating that you would never play football again. Um, it took me a while to really digest that. Um, I thought I was in a nightmare. I thought I was in a dream and I was like, okay, wake up, wake up. But I had to face reality. And, um, you know, I remember talking to coach Anderson. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want to do, but it's just, you know, this was not in my plan at that time. I still thought I had two, two more seasons and, uh, Ryan Nall was there and, you know, we were going to be the dynamic duo, but, um, like life really slapped me in the face at that time. And, um, and lucky for me, I knew I had a plan B. Um, I took school seriously and, you know, again, uh, took, took advantage of the opportunities that were given to me and, uh, made the best out of it. Was that an injury you'd sustained in spring practice? And what was it exactly that you had injured? So, uh, yes, I had, I, uh, I, it was reported that I had a herniated disc in my neck and uh, I potentially could have been uh, paralyzed if I was hit the wrong way. Um, I thought I was experiencing um, a concussion because I've never had a concussion before and um, just err on the side of caution. We went through an MRI and other uh, tests and it, it came out that I had this uh, herniated disc. So um Again, I, I can remember like it was yesterday sitting with, with the team doctor and kind of going over, you know, the results and and it wasn't good. So uh, it was it was really tough for me at that time because, uh, again, you know, you're used to working out and friends with 100 plus guys on the team and now it's it's over. So it was really hard adjusting to, you know, life after football for at least a year or two. <laughs> Yeah, you've already shared that you knew ahead of time while you were still playing that your playing career wouldn't last forever. You were aware of that, but it's another thing to realize my playing career is over way earlier than you expected. You thought your college career at least would be 
you know, four years long and you have that at the very least. And yet 2016, it's done. It's over. No more playing for OSU. What was that like to handle that news that came much quicker than you had anticipated? Yeah, um, it, it was hard. Uh, at first, I didn't want to accept it. I was like, you know what? I'm still going to work out with the team and do this and do that. But, you know, I had to step back and realize, like, what what else do I want out of life? What what are, what is my next goal? What is my next challenge? And and that was, you know, to graduate and um, and kind of start uh, pursuing my career uh, as a as at that time a hospital administrator. That's a perfect transition to kind of finish this conversation talking about what you're doing now and, and your career working down in Eugene for Avamir, licensed nursing care administrator. Where did you first get passionate about this? You're now 26 years old, but this isn't a thing you had the idea of when you finished at Oregon State. You've had this idea for a while. Where did that come from? Uh, I grew up, my mother started out as a housekeeper in a nursing home, um, and we would always go to work with her. So I kind of somewhat grew up in a nursing home at an early age. Um, and, you know, healthcare has been a huge part. My sister's in healthcare. My mother was in healthcare. She's no longer in healthcare. I've got other relatives who are, are also in healthcare. And I also wanted to do something to impact lives. Now, not only uh, employees, but the people. So, um, I get the best of both worlds and um, I get I have I get to have a humongous uh, impact on the people uh, that I see every single day. And, um, you know, it's nice to offer school for someone who's just graduated high school and they're working as a CNA and, you know, they want to be a registered nurse. And, you know, I have that ability to 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 help them uh, better themselves uh, because I've obviously had some really great opportunities. Um, in high school, in my local community in Texas, in Oregon, um, back in Corvallis, I've had people who've really uh, helped me uh, move forward and what my goals are. And um, and I always thought, you know, to pay it forward for someone if I could grant them that opportunity. Yeah, but my current job right now, I am a licensed nursing home administrator. Um, I run a skilled nursing facility and long-term care facility. Uh, it's a 92-bed facility. Uh, we're just right under the level of a hospital. Um, and so what this job entails is I run the day-to-day -day, uh, business of the facility. I ensure we're compliant in everything that we do. And, um, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. So my job is to ensure that the budget's intact and, and people are, are, um, are, are being taken care of. So it's, it's a rewarding career. I love my job. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. At the point of this recording, we're about three weeks removed from the NBA shutting down and a whole lot of things toppling at that point midway through March. How much has your job been impacted? What have you needed to do day-to-day -day differently now than you did when things were normal a few months ago? Let's just say, let's just say my normal routine has changed and it's constantly changing on a daily basis. We're constantly getting new regulations from CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, uh, CDC, Centers for Disease Control. I mean, there's policies from the state and local governments that we have to follow. Um, and, and most people don't realize that skilled nursing facilities are the number two most regulated facilities in the country. So uh, we have 
tremendous regulations we have to follow. And I don't know if everyone's seen on the news and you see, you know, these facilities that have an outbreak and they're getting fined because there are certain processes and policies not in place. And so we also have to remember that we are responsible for uh, not only the employees in that facility, but the residents. And uh, that is a that is a, a big responsibility as an administrator and DNS that, uh, that you have uh, to ensure that you're doing everything possible uh, to ensure that they're safe in your care. So uh, that is a huge uh, responsibility. And, um, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a tough, I would say a tough month and a half so far uh, for not only myself, but anyone who's working in the healthcare industry from a hospital all the way down to a skilled nursing facility, uh, because it is impacting everyone. It's funny to me to compare your life early as a football player to now and how different your day-to-day -day work is. If there's a microcosm of that, it may be the awards you've gotten. Now, in high school, you came out of Texas as the Northeast Texas Player of the Year from any classification. That's a high award. Now, today, you're not playing anymore. You're in the healthcare industry. And to kind of highlight the difference in, in what your life looks like, your facility in Eugene earned the most recent Advanced Quality Assurance and Performance Improvement Accreditation. Third straight year that the Avamir Rehabilitation of Eugene facility has earned that award. So you go from winning an award as one of the best football players in Texas to winning awards in healthcare. Yeah, I was, we always make this joke as an athlete. It's like, you know, you're always an athlete. And what that means is most, I would say every athlete has this competitive drive. And, you know, I, and I had to look, look at myself and say, hey, where can I channel all of this competitiveness and, you know, uh, and, and, and success into something? And that's a career. Um, and I think, you know, being, being an athlete, no matter if you're collegiate in high school, just that competitive drive. I mean, if you can turn that energy into school, or whatever you, your goals are, I mean, you can be successful. Um, and again, there's always something that you're chasing for, something that you want to be better at, because, uh, again, in this career that I'm in, it's constantly changing. And so that's what I really like about this job is, you know, it's, it's changing on a daily, yearly basis, and you have to adapt and overcome. And, and as an athlete, that's something that's ingrained in you from the get-go is adapting and overcoming. And how are you going to figure this out? And working as a team. Um, so a lot of those um, qualities that I learned as a as an athlete, whether in college, high school, little league, uh, I've, I'm applying that now in the real world, and 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 it's paying off. So, um, I mean, again, you you you're never really not an athlete uh, once you you know hung up your cleats or whatever sports you participated in. One of the points of this podcast is to learn life lessons through the athletes who were at the peak of their playing careers and then to see what they've done with their lives since then and to see how you have kind of gained maturity in your playing days and afterwards. So you've already shared a lot about things you've learned and things you're passionate about, but let's kind of wrap up with if you were to share advice to yourself eight years ago, you're 26 now, to back when you were 18, finishing up high school, heading over to, to Oregon State back in 2013, what advice would you give to yourself? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Eight years? Oh, my goodness. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember. That's a long time. So uh, what I would say is never be afraid to be great. Um, that was one of my, uh, I would say, regrettable moments, even as a collegiate athlete, student. Um, never be afraid to be great um you know you're gonna make mistakes um and you learn from them um 
But again, you know, your biggest enemy is yourself. And if you, if you say you can't do it, you won't do it. Um, and, and having doubt is something that you, you can't have uh, to be successful, no matter if it's in sports, academics. Uh, I believe if you believe in yourself, then people will believe in you and it'll feed off, uh, off of that. Um, uh, right now in my career, I'm a leader of the facility. Uh, I saw myself as a leader uh, on the team at the time. And, you know, being that mentor and being that person that's, you know, your teammates can rely on that, that that's big. And that's a responsibility that, you know, no one's uh, obligated to have, but that's just something that you either have or you don't. So any advice that I would give anyone um, is, you know, just strive to be great, do the right thing every single day um, and just live life to the fullest because again, you, you never know how good you could be. And um, again, if you hold yourself back, um, you know, those goals will never be, be met or you'll never know how good you potentially could be. So, and I'm still learning that as I'm (laughs) in, in my professional career. That is some good advice. Now let's end this podcast on a fun note. You only started one year in high school at running back at New Boston High School in Texas. You rushed for 3,250 yards. That's a good career number, let alone one season. You scored 52 touchdowns. That's uh, plenty of time to work on a touchdown celebration dance. If no. every other play, but. <laughs> you know, I never, I ne- it never crossed my mind because just me as a running back, you know, you, you have this, you know, you have this, this goal. It's like, Hey, I'm getting to the end zone and it never crossed my mind. It's like, Oh, I'm going to dance. It was like, what, what, what do I have to do to get, get into the end zone? You know? Um, and um, I was extremely blessed at that time. I, I mean, you know, we had a wonderful team um, and it, it, it was just one of the best years that I've had in high school. I would say my entire uh, sports career because I mean every single award every single accomplishment it was pretty much met but um, it definitely had support from from my local uh, team and, and town and, and you know it was great to bring people together because I don't know this but down in Texas I mean Friday night football is a big deal and um, you know you you have generations of families who come in and watch and you know, it's just that atmosphere. And I hope someday when I have kids, uh, I can be that parent that goes out um, Friday night football games, basketball games or whatever. um, And, and, you know, show that support. Damien, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You're doing great work down in Eugene. Stay safe down there. And thanks for chatting about your memories from Oregon State here on the Beaver Tales podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Well, for a first interview of the Beaver Tales podcast, I'd say Damian Haskins was a good one. Has a really good head on his shoulders, some really good thoughts he shared, and fun to chat with him. Thanks for listening to the first edition of this Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. Stay tuned for more episodes. And our thanks also to Convoy of Hope. Check out what they're doing online, convoyofhope.org, and you can donate there to all the work they're doing around the world in a very important time to do so. This has been Josh Warden with the Beaver Tales Podcast.